Well, we're going to get into the Word. We're starting a new sermon series called Adventures with the Holy Spirit. Say this with me. Adventures with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a good, good, good day. Um, I want to just pray. I know we prayed over the offering. I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit opens our hearts. And if you're not familiar with that term, that you kind of get a little bit better understanding of who the Holy Spirit is today and that you start letting him do a deep work. So let's just open our hearts. Father, I pray that you'd speak to us. Lord, our, our heart is open to what you want to say. If there are things we need to unlearn, help us unlearn them so that we can learn what you want us to learn, so we can know what you want us to know. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the spirit of revelation, the spirit of truth. God, that you're the comforter, the advocate, and that you would do a deep work in our hearts today so that we could know Jesus, so that we can know the Father, so that we could know you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, sometimes um, I, I like to tell you what I'm going to tell you, I tell you, and then tell you what I told you. So I'm going to do that today. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, all right? If you're taking notes, if you're one of those note takers, the spirit brings order from chaos. The spirit invites us to believe without seeing. And the spirit gives us supernatural abilities. So let's start with this. The spirit brings order from chaos. Say this with me. The spirit brings order from chaos, okay? So what do I mean by that? We're going to go into the book of Acts, but I felt like when I was starting to pray, I'm like, you know what, we really need to go back to when the Holy Spirit was first mentioned. Because sometimes when you hear the, fr the phrase or the word spirit or Holy Spirit, you kind of tend to compartmentalize. If you've been in church a long time, you can accidentally compartmentalize him to the book of Acts. As if like the spirit was just kind of over there in a corner in a, in a custodial closet. And then a book of Acts is like, okay, now I'm on the scene. This is the same Holy Spirit that breathed upon the darkness of the waters. It's the same spirit of God. In fact, some of the words are even used the exact same. When the Holy Spirit breathed life into the man, it was that same Greek word, uh, ruka, R-U-K-A-H, that was breathed onto the disciples. Uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, so look at Genesis 1. Look at Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the beginning, God created. Um, my very first sermon here, as you can imagine, being a new lead pastor, I just, I just poured over that sermon for, I mean, months, right? And I'm thinking, like, I kept asking God, what is the most important thing for people to believe who just come to church and they want to know who God is? And I'm pouring over this, and, and it's like, I don't know why I was preaching it as if that, that light is getting filled with the Spirit. Um, I was pouring over it as if it was going to be my only sermon. And still to this day, um, I'm, I'm going to preach this till the day I go to heaven, that the most important thing you can believe about God is that he's creator. And we can think a lot of things about God. Absolutely, he's father and he's loving. Absolutely, he's Jesus and he saves you. But you first must believe that he's creator. How many of you guys know that, that God knows what he's doing? So when he writes that, he sets a premise, like every good teacher would do, a premise from which everything else makes sense. Because if he's not creator, then, then he's not the one uh, you're held accountable to. If he's not the one you're held accountable to, then you don't need saved, right? You're good on your own. So you first must believe that he is creator. So in the beginning, God created. 
I love that. But how did he create? Look at this. The Spirit of God was hovering. I, I have so much crossing my mind right now, but I don't want to get ahead of my notes. But the Spirit of God um, always tends to hover right before he creates uh, something. And sometimes I can see the Spirit like hovering over someone's life. You know, they just come to a church and they just cry. They don't even know why. Like, like nobody even preached anything yet. Hey, good morning. <laughs> What's going on? Are they like emotionally unstable? No. Because you ask them like, are you crying elsewhere? No, I don't ask that. But they, they know they're not doing that elsewhere. What? The Spirit of God is hovering. He's about to create something new and beautiful in them. Amen? So he takes the chaos and he creates something Beautiful. He puts things in order, right? He, he, he puts the boundaries like, the, like Job said. He says, who, who can tell the oceans where to stop, right? Job poetically said this. We're actually going to sing that in two weeks. Job poetically said, who told the oceans where to stop? God. Who formed the, who formed the mountain? God. Who breathed life into man? Job says, God. And so I want to tell you, our world is incredibly chaotic right now. I'm only going to mention a couple ways, right? A couple ways. I can't get over it because it's every day in our face all the time. Uh, sexuality and gender, right? So there are many parents who are so sad right now. Sometimes they're calling me or texting me saying, what do I do? They can't make sense of their child's choices regarding sexuality. And I will tell you very clear, unequivocally why. Because there is an evil agenda to distort sexuality and to distort the image of God on the earth. It is evil. It's, there's good and evil. It's evil. And so, in fact, I even, this hit me last night. I was laying there and I couldn't sleep. And sometimes when you're, you can't sleep, that's God's way of prompting you to pray. And I felt, I felt led to search. Uh, this is a little bit off the side, but I, I'll get back. It, it'll tie together in just a second. I even felt led to search, for some reason, the picture of Baphomet. I pictured, and sure enough, man and woman. You see, Satan's desire is to blend the genders, to get, to get females to try to be males, males to try to be females. Why? Because what God created is male and female, and, and together they form the image of God. They form a reflection of Jesus' love for the bride. I'm preaching, brother, and you guys are amen, and so I'm going to try this side. What God created is male and female. Say amen? amen. And so Satan wants to distort that and confuse your children. So we're going to talk about that very clearly a little bit in June. And then this, this September, I'm going to do a six-week series on sexual identity on Wednesday nights. And if you don't know what to say to your nephew, your niece, your cousin, your child, you need to come out to that. And um, it's going to be very good. So what do I, why bring that up? Because the spirit, please hear me, brings order from chaos. Any chaos. What other chaos, Pastor Jordan? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> your, your coworker that's got racing thoughts, your coworker that is, is fidgety and anxious and worried, that's chaos in his or her mind. So you can either, they can be venting to you and you can say, oh man, it's terrible, right? You can agree or you can bring order to chaos and you say, can I pray with you about that? 
I have a loving father who would love to solve that for you. You see the difference? And that's what we're called to be, salt and light. Amen? So people, I mean, there's anger towards loved ones, right? There's somebody venting to you at the water cooler, at the coffee break. They're venting to you about how angry they are at their brother or their dad or their, their sister who's taken this part of the inheritance or wherever. All these, all these relational problems. You can say, oh, that's terrible. Or, everybody say, or, you can bring order where there's chaos. And you can say, you know, what, you know what God had to teach me? God had to teach me to forgive. And that's where I got my peace. Peace in my heart. Whether I got that part of the inheritance from uncle or, or auntie, whoever. God taught me to forgive because God forgave me. What if you humbled yourself and said, hey, you know what? I'm sorry our relationship went sour and I want to take my ownership for part of that. And your, your coworker's going to be like, I wasn't expecting that, right? Now listen, sometimes they'll walk right in that conversation and be like, you know what, I'm right, you're right. I need you to do that, you know? But you can bring order from chaos. You can be the one to speak up, speak up and declare truth. And that's one of, I think, the huge maladies. The, it's, it's gotta be in the top five of America's problem right now is believers just being quiet. And, and not willing to speak up. Speak up and declare the truth. And we're gonna talk about this more throughout the sermon, but this is gonna give you, trust me, adventures with the Holy Spirit, right? Adventures with the Holy Spirit. There's gonna be people who are sick, who get hurt, who suddenly are fighting this illness or that illness. You can be the one to pray for them and say, I believe in a God, Jesus, who rose from the dead. Let me try this side. I believe in a God, Jesus, who rose from the dead. Amen. Right. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. That helped me. That helped me so much. But do you see what I'm saying? Like we get in this, we... we Sometimes we don't believe Jesus rose from the dead until Sunday morning at 9.30. Come on. And then we're like, oh, yeah. And then Monday we're like, oh, man, I'm sorry about your arm. And we forget. Is, is anybody else like me? Because I've forgotten. I've walked away from someone who literally just told me they were hurting, and I get in my car and be like, why didn't I pray for them? Right? Wherever you are. You see, we either believe Jesus truly rose from the dead and meant what he said, or we don't. Right? Because think about this. Either Jesus, I love this, one of the best lines in theology, the, the longer you like read and think about uh, all these things about God and God's interaction with mankind, one of, the, one of the best lines is either Jesus was a lunatic or he was really God. Like you can't, you, you, it's one or the other. And if we really believe he rose from the dead, guys, nothing is off limits. Nothing is impossible for him. Amen? And again, that's why, you know, most of us, if not all of us, that's why we're in this room, because we believe that and we've seen him move in power. The Spirit, if you're taking notes, the Spirit invites us to believe without seeing. I love what Paul said in his, 
in his letter, Philippians 3, Brothers, I do not consider myself perfect, but one thing I do. I forget what's behind, and I strain towards what is ahead. If, if it's possible that this week, and even maybe during worship, you're angry at someone and you're not forgiving someone, you're focusing on what's behind instead of straining for what's ahead. You won't even see the person, the coworker, the person at Aldi who is, who is sick and who's hurting if you're still mad at somebody who did something a year ago. Come on, right? The Spirit invites us to believe without seeing, to remove the cynicism, to remove the doubt and the weights of this world that make our hearts heavy. God doesn't want you to have a heavy heart. Let me say that again. God does not want you to have a heavy heart. He wants to give you joy, to give you faith. And what is faith? Faith is believing without seeing. But, but maybe... Maybe you're like Thomas, right? Maybe you're like Thomas. As I was reading, I wanted to reread, you know, these passages that I've read so many times before, but I wanted to reread. And when I, when I got to Thomas, Holy Spirit just had me pause, right? Because I started in Acts and then the Holy Spirit's like, well, back up a little further. So I backed up a little further and there's Thomas, the disciples rush in the room. Mary rushes in the room. They're all speaking over one another. He's risen from the dead. He's risen from the dead. And Thomas is like, I ain't buying it. Now, some of us give Thomas a hard time. Like, literally, he has a nickname, Doubting Thomas. That's kind of not fair. You know what I'm saying, Dave? That's not, Tim, that's not fair. Like, what if you doubted one time? And I was like, well, you know, Doubting Tim. Like, he gets a bad rap. We shouldn't do that to Thomas because if you go back, I was like, you know, where else was Thomas mentioned? So I went back and I caught John 11. Thomas was the one that said, Jesus, even though they might kill you in Bethany, because Beth he was going to go back to Bethany, all his disciples said, don't do it, dude. They tried to stone you. Maybe they, didn't, they, maybe they didn't say dude, but they said they tried to stone you. Don't do it. Thomas is like, I'm with you. If they kill you, they kill me. It's fine. So he was all in. Thomas was all in. But now... Now, Thomas, Luke chapter 20, Thomas, this Thomas now is off to the side going, he said he was a miracle worker. He said he would rise from the dead. Come on, let's be real. Have you ever had a time when your prayer wasn't answered? Come on. Have you ever had a time when two, three, four, five prayers in a row weren't answered? And now you're starting to squint your eyes. Right? Who's been there? That's where Thomas is. Thomas is angry. Thomas is angry. He's thinking, I've been a part of the biggest sham of all time. I was duped. And there's probably nothing like that feeling of being duped. He feels like he's part of this big thing that didn't work, this scam. They, they, they killed him. He said he was going to rise from the dead. It didn't work. And he's off to the side. And now my friends are all saying they saw him. They saw ghosts. They had some revelation. He's mad. Can you picture it? He's mad. And guess what he says? I'll believe it when I see it. And who walks in the room? Jesus. Hey, Tom, how you doing, buddy? Don't you love Jesus? He comes to you in your cynicism. He says, oh, you're, you're hurting? Don't believe? I'm right here. Touch my hands, Tom. Come on. Jesus is so loving. But here's what I want to say to you. What if Jesus would say to you this? Why don't you believe before seeing? And that's a lot of us. We say, I'll believe it when I see it. 
Why don't instead you, you, you realize what Jesus said to Thomas, blessed are those who believe without seeing. You see, sometimes you don't see it until you believe it. Amen? Listen, there is a lie in the world right now that is pervasive. It's not just one or two denominations. It is multiple denominations are literally separated from full gospel or charismatic, whatever you want to call us, because of this lie of cessationism. The lie is that the, that the gifts and power died with the death of the apostles. How many have ever believed that? Uh, I'm sorry, how many have ever heard that? Have you ever heard that? How many just just like wink at me or give me an elbow if you grew up thinking that? That's, that was your denomination? That was your background? Yeah, a couple of you. Exactly, right? I saw a lot of elbows. That, was, that just reminded me of 2020. <laughs> when can I go there? Like, give me a shake, a full shake. Okay. I started to think, like, why do so many people still believe this? I just watched a video a couple weeks ago where one of my favorite theologians and authors, Andrew Wilson, he's talking with this guy. And, he's, and this guy leads thousands of churches. And he's saying, I'm sorry, Andrew, it's simply not true. There are not gifts. There are not these miracles. And, and so many, Pastor Andrew had so many Andrew Wilson, he's my, if you've got to look him up, he's one of the favorite theologians. I've read like four of his books, fantastic. And I mean, he's hitting him with these truths like, but pastor, don't you teach your churches that God convicts them of sin? Oh, yes. So God speaks. Oh, yes. So God only tells people when they're wrong, but won't promise them something when they're right and when they're good and confirm and in comfort and courage through prophecy. And, and every, every single answer was, no, 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 you're twisting it. And it just makes, it has to make God sad. Right? Think about it. It has to make the Father sad. What if I had an amazing, I just, this isn't in my sermon, but can I just go off script for a minute? Okay, sometimes I buy Lucas toys. Like I buy him these trucks, right? Like too many. There's so many. And like what if I got him this truck? Like recently I got him this big, this big yellow truck. What if I got him this truck and he's like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm like, dude, it's right there. <laughs> Put some sand in it. Put some rocks in it. Let's play with it. You're going to be like, I don't believe it. I do not receive what you have for me. I would break my heart. First of all, I would be confused because I'm like, it's right there. But then I'd be sad. You catching what I'm saying? I think the father gets sad about the number of people Guys, I, I love what Francis Chan said. Francis Chan, one of my favorite teachers. You know, Francis Chan was at a conference two years ago. Somebody sent me this video. He said for all of his life, all his ministerial life, he thought miracles did not exist. All his life. And I love his teachings. They're fantastic. He just hadn't seen them. And he, he, he thought, he said, how foolish of me. I thought because I hadn't seen it, it didn't exist. As if something theologically true had to depend upon my experience. How silly, right? And he, he, just, he just confesses at this conference. He's like, he, listen, he didn't believe in miracles till he witnessed one on stage. How many of you guys believe like God ordained that minister to be on stage with him that day? Like I, it, it changed his perspective of Jesus praying, heaven come to earth. It changed his perspective on Ephesians 2. God can do all the more than we can ask, think, or imagine. It changed his perspective on all of that. 
I remember so many times when I was on the road traveling, I uh, used to go out with our band and just do like nights of worship and uh, music outreaches and sometimes preaching. And I can't tell you the number of times I would prophesy to someone right after a song and God would move in that moment. And then afterwards, the pastor would say, okay, I need you. he just pulled me aside. He said, I need you to explain something to me. It's like, I know our people and I know her story. And that was accurate. And God was speaking to her. But I was taught in seminary that was not available. What happened? I'm like, well, pastor, now you have to wrestle with what people that you loved, spiritual mentors, told you was not true. And with what you just experienced, you saw it. So now you have to wrestle with that. Do I want to embrace the idea that it, God does speak, God does prophesy, God does heal bodies, God does speak, God moves in power. Now I have to wrestle with this, right? Had that conversation many times. Again, from well-intended, well-intended seminary professors taught them something not true. Amen? So again, maybe you're like Thomas. And, you know, I've only seen a few physical miracles. I'll tell you just a few stories because these are adventures that I wasn't expecting. One time I was playing guitar for Lydia Stanley. I just love playing guitar for her. She is a good friend of mine. We went to Brownsville together. And I wasn't expecting the pastor to call up for people who were sick. This girl who was blind literally started seeing right in front of us. I was like, I hit a bunch of bad notes. <laughs> like, I... It happened right in front of my eyes. I'll never forget it. Never forget it. Ask Jeremiah C. We prayed for this little boy in Mexico. His legs were kind of deformed. When we put our hands on him, I will never forget this. We both felt right on, right, uh, on his knee and under his knee, we both felt like ligaments and muscles moving. I mean, we were like, and he ran off. And he just ran off laughing. His mom started bawling. She started bawling, and through the interpreter, she says, he never could run. He never could run. What just happened? And we're like, Jesus. And I tried to speak Spanish. I was like, Jesus. You know, Jesus. You know? <laughs> Sometimes I wish the humor would stop, but I can't help myself. So I'm just like, Jesus helped amigo. You know? And my, my interpreter was like, don't. Just don't. She's like, I didn't, no, I, I remember this. Interpreter, she's like, let me handle this. You got this. I'll back up. I'll back up. Like, I'll just pray, and I'll just back up. So maybe you're like Thomas. You're like, Jordan, I got to see it to believe it. But maybe you need to believe it to see it. The Spirit changes us, giving us supernatural abilities. Oh, this is fun. You guys remember Captain Planet? Water, fire. I'm just kidding. Delete that from the podcast. That will not, that was inappropriate. The Spirit challenges, changes us into a different person. This is crazy. I've seen this happen right in front of my eyes. Incredibly shy, backward people suddenly like really speak boldly. I've seen it happen many times. I've seen people who did not believe in miracles and then suddenly they see it, they believe it, they have this encounter, and now they're praying for everybody. Everybody. Right? The Holy Spirit took me back to 1 Samuel. I was thinking about the Old Testament, times when the Holy Spirit would come upon somebody. 1 Samuel 9, once Samuel, the prophet, by the way, that represents the Holy Spirit. The prophet in the Old Testament is a symbol of the Spirit's voice on the earth. He anoints Saul. Has not the Lord anointed you, leader over his Israel, over his inheritance, 
uh, over his inheritance, his people. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. I want to say that again. I want to make sure you guys hear me today. You know I'm getting serious when I take the iPad off the podium. Come on. You will be changed into a different person. Right? Now, here's the thing. It happened. So I fast forward, you know, read, skipped over a few pages, and there it is. He arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him in power, and he joined them in their prophesying. Now, for some reason, like us American Christians have this really cynical view of the Bible. We're like, yeah, but that's Saul. He lost his anointing. Just like the same thing we do with Thomas, you know. But be careful not to highlight people for their, like, their one, like, their one blunder. Don't do that because we don't want God to do that to us. We don't want people to do that to us, right? So he prophesied, right? Did he prophesy? Did the Bible say prophesy? Okay. So he was changed into a different person. He did something he couldn't do before. Now get this, the Holy Spirit dropped such this bomb on me, right? Because so I go back and I read it again. And he had a problem. He lost his donkeys. Everybody would be like, oh, man. I know, some of you are like, I just lost my donkeys last week. I know exactly how he feels. I know, you don't have donkeys. Listen, I know, I know. Isaac's like, oh, bro, I lose my donkeys all the time, right? Okay. You may be like, you may be like, how does that apply to me? Some of you are so worried Come on, let this, this, the Holy Spirit just hit me. I'm reading it. You're so worried about your donkeys. You're missing what God wants to do. So he's all worried about his donkeys. And, and God speaks to the prophet and says, hey, I'm going to anoint you and I'm going to change you into a different person. And you're like, but what am I having for dinner? Where's my coat? Where's my keys? That's half, actually, that's half of my life is where's my keys. Right? Half the time my wife tapes, but we won't talk about that. Like, you're wor you get so worried about all these other things. And check this out. When the Spirit came upon him, God took care of his lost donkey problems. I know, some of you are like, Jordan, I don't get it yet. Okay, let me make it really simple. When you worry about these little earthly things, you miss out on the God thing. But when you focus on the God thing, God takes care of all the little things. You with me? I promise you he does. He does this for me all the time. All the time. People are like, I don't understand how that worked out. I'm like, me neither. I don't know. God just did it. Let's think about Peter, right? God fills him with the Spirit in the upper room. We're looking at the book of Acts this month. God fills him with the Spirit. Now, Peter, you may think is bold, but keep in mind, he is bold among his Jewish hombres. That's when he's bold. He's with his buddies. He is not bold in front of the Romans, right? But, everybody say but. When the Spirit comes upon him, everybody say the Spirit, now he has the boldness to preach the gospel. And he literally says words like, this Jesus whom you crucified. I mean, that's bold. Now, I was, this morning I had an idea to make this drive home. Daniel, can you bring me that? This is, this is Vanna White. Everybody say, hi, Vanna. She's awesome. talk really loud. I should have put on a lapel. 
not a fisherman, so I don't know how these work. <laughs> okay, I think this is the front. Thank you. You're a great Vanna White. <laughs> Although you're bald. You need this? No, I need it in just a minute. Okay, so this is awkward. I apologize. I just don't want you to forget this. All right, so what you have to realize is when you read, when you read Acts 2 and 3, how many of you read it and you go, oh, yeah, Apostle Peter? That's not Apostle Peter. Oh, jeez. Hold on. Don't punch me in the face with that thing. I'm trying. This is Fisherman Peter. Right? Okay. You have to realize everybody's looking up there going, that's Fisherman Peter. He sold me a basket of fish last week. Thank you. I might need you in a minute. <laughs> so you, you read Acts and you go, oh, yeah, the Apostle Peter. Poof, I could never do that. That's a fisherman. That's a fisherman. He worked in agriculture. And so he goes up, but anointed by the Spirit... He clearly lays out incredible theolo theology, incredible historical sense. He throws in some philosophy. I mean, it is amazing. He preaches to them about their need for Jesus, the very one that they crucified, and yet he's just fisherman Peter. You see, the anointing changes you into a different person. You're not just the accountant. You are a hope giver. You hear what I'm saying? You're not just the guy mowing the lawn, Pastor Dave. You're the mower. This is like, this like looks fly, doesn't it? I just, just the flowers with the weeds. Awesome. <laughs> I, I look like a, I don't even know what's happening right here. I just, like that? It's awesome. My wife got it free. I won't tell you where because you might not talk to her again. All right. Everybody just talk to your friend. I need to take this. You're not just an accountant. You're a hope giver who works in accounting. You're not just a farmer. You're a farmer who has Jesus who is a hope giver. You're not just a lawyer. You're a lawyer who's a hope giver. You're not just a coach, Jim. You're a coach who's a hope giver. Right? You're, you, you, can, you can stay where you are or you can go on some adventures with the Holy Spirit and let him anoint you and fill you and change you into a different person. Guys, Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest theologians of our time, didn't believe in prophes prophesying until he prophesied. I was reading his autobiography. He said, I did not believe in prophesying until I suddenly knew the thoughts of people as they entered the church. He said, one day I was standing, you can read this. In fact, I want to read it word for word. You guys give me two more minutes real quick. Two more minutes and we're going to pray. Listen, Charles Spurgeon. I could tell as many as a dozen similar cases in which I suddenly pointed at somebody in the hall without having the slightest knowledge of the person or any idea of what I said, if it was right, except that I believed I was moved by the Spirit to say it 
And striking has been my description that person's gone away and said to them, see the man that told me everything I did. See the man that told me what I said in the foyer. Come see the man that could, that knew my thoughts that could not know otherwise. Not only so, I have been in so many instances where thoughts of men were revealed from the pulpit. I have sometimes seen persons nudge their neighbors because they got a smart hit. I like that, a smart hit. Well, I'm going to call that prophesying from now on. Be like, that was a smart hit on that guy in the fourth row. <laughs> smart hit. I like that. The preacher just told us what we said to each other at the door. The striking thing about this story, Rock of Grace, is that Spurgeon did not believe the gift of prophecy was available. Somebody say, his teacher was wrong. Right? His teacher was wrong. Listen. I have this, I, so I'm like, I'm like wrestling through this. I'm like, why do so many pastors, theologians, denominational leaders embrace cessationism and teach their churches? And one of the things that hit me was this. If you, you can't believe part of the Bible, you have to believe the whole thing or none of it. No, no, wait, think about this. Why would there be instructions on how to manage the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 if the gifts were not available to you. That's like saying, I'm going to give you a manual to fly this plane, but I don't believe in planes. Think about that. I wrote out an acronym. I don't really like the acronym, all right? I don't really like the acronym, Principle of Obedience. So, poo, I don't like the acronym, but it's going to help you remember. <laughs> I don't like the acronym, but it is going to help you to remember. Somebody's going to remember that. It's called the principle of obedience. How can you be obedient to manage something that doesn't exist? Think about that. If God gave you instructions on how to manage, because he says test the spirits. He says someone prophesies to you, test the spirit. Test it against the word of God. Go pray about it. See if it's from the Lord. But it doesn't mean you throw out the entire gift of prophecy. That's like saying if one, we don't do that with any other gift. If you ever heard a preacher preach and he said something that you didn't like, you'd be like, well, I don't believe in preaching. I just don't believe it. We don't do that, right? We don't do that with hospitality. We don't do that with teaching. And, and so right there, the Bible is give us, giving us instructions on the power and the importance of being filled with the Spirit. If Jesus told you you need to be filled with the Spirit, you need to be filled with the Spirit. If Jesus told his disciples and told us, go to the upper room, be filled with the Spirit, you need to be filled with the Spirit. So I want to invite my friend Matt up and the team and the prayer team to come up. And here's the thing. Some of you might be saying, Pastor Jordan, I, I don't understand it, though. I know. I still don't understand it. I still don't understand it. And I'm 20 years in. It's a mystery. And guys, here's the thing. The minute I can explain God, he ceases to be God. You see, God is beyond 